Amen, church. Uh, my name is Grant, one of the pastors here. It is good to be with you all here this morning. Um, we have been going through our series, My Church and I. Uh, pastor Luke opened up this series and introduced us with the first two weeks uh, in this series about church membership, about what does it look like, where does God want me, what does God want me to do in the context of the local church. Uh, there is a resource and a book we want you all to be aware of and be able to pick up a free copy if you'd like. It's called I Am a Church Member. It is located back in our Connect Corner. You can go back there, pick up a free copy, use it as a resource for you as you pursue Christ and as you also look at what does a healthy biblical model of membership at a local body look like. We'd love for you to pick that up back at our Connect Corner. Uh, last week, Pastor Luke talked about uh, how unity is our responsibility. How as a member of God's church, we're to constantly pursue unity, constantly look at what can we do to help bring it together, about how we will help bring it together. In church, unity, unity is a beautiful thing. It's a sweet, sweet thing to be a part of and to witness and to see. And I'm thankful that we have that here at Holland Chapel. Uh, last week, we also talked about the dangers of gossip and how that can lead to disunity. That can destroy a church. And today, we're going to be talking about, it's not about me. It's not about me. And so, gossip can destroy unity. Also, our selfishness, us choosing our preferences over somebody else's, saying our way or no other way, can destroy Unity within a church. We're going to look at what the Word of God says about that this morning. I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, whatever copy of God's Word you have. Uh, you can also find a, a copy of, of the Bible in the chair in front of you as well. Philippians chapter 2, we'll look at verses 1 through 5 this morning. As Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, he's, he's telling them to live on mission for Jesus, that you need to be together that you need to stand together, that as you struggle, struggle together. He's trying to encourage them here to live their lives in a way that's worthy of the gospel. Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 5. It'll be up on the screen as well. Verse 1, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Verse 2, then, if those things are true, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And real quick, we're going to jump uh, back to verse 1, Alex. Thanks so much. So he's asking these rhetorical questions. He's like, hey, are these things true? He's saying, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Of course. Any comfort from his love? Absolutely. Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Yes, and it is sweet. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Yes. He's pretty much saying, is water wet? Is fire hot? Is there going to be traffic on I-30? He's speaking in absolutes, okay? If these things are true, then what? If these things are true, then verse 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Verse 3, he says, don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, in today's world, church, everything is built around us. Everything is built to have things personalized towards us. We like to have things done our way. We like to have uh, the way we order our food be just right. We like the way we even cut our grass, mow the lawn, whatever it may be. We all have our own preferences. Adults, you have them. You like things to be in a certain way. Kids, parents, you know your kids have them. You may have that picky eater. They like to have their food done a certain way. My three-year-old went to Freddy's this past weekend. He said he wanted a hamburger, but not with the brown. Buddy, that's what makes it a hamburger. You got to have the brown part on there. We like to have our preferences. Teenagers, you have them. You're trying to find that independence. Mom and dad are saying, no, you don't know what you're doing. But we all like to have things done our own way. We all have our own preferences. There's a stat that says 90% of consumers in the United States find the idea of personalization appealing. 90%. Despite privacy concerns, the vast majority of Americans, it says, are still on board with the idea of personalization. We like things done our way. Here's three company slogans you may be familiar with. Burger King, their slogan is, have it your way. They just recently changed to you rule, which pretty much is saying any way you want it, we're going to make it happen because that's the way you want it. Uber helps you get from one place to another. Their slogan, uh, slogan is move the way you want. And then UPS, what can Brown do for you? It's all about personalization, all about making it yours, making your experience yours in the way you want it to be done. We all like to have things done our way, our own preferences, our own opinions, our own way, because it's ours. So this morning, I'm not saying that preferences and opinions and having things done your way is bad. I'm not saying that that, that that's wrong, but I am going to say that there are definitely some unhealthy preferences and there's some healthy preferences that we can have. When we have a preference, when we have an opinion, when we want things done our way and it causes us to sin, it's not right. When we have a preference or an opinion or want things done our way and it causes a brother or sister in Christ to stumble, causes ourselves to stumble, that's not what the Word of God prescribes. It's not what we are to do. And sometimes our selfishness, sometimes us wanting things done our way leads to sin and we have to know when to hit stop and look at what the Word of God says. Are we seeking selfish gain? Are we seeking gain for ourselves? Or are we trying to bring about unity amongst one another? Now, Grant, you're, you're telling me all this, but this, this series is called My Church and I. It's my church, right? Like, I want things to be done my way. I want things to, to happen the way I want them to. I, I, I get it. I get it. Here's some preferences that we may have as being a part of a local church, as being a member of a church. I didn't get a second cup of coffee this morning. I couldn't check my kids in fast enough. I thought the guitar was too loud this morning. I thought the drums weren't loud enough this morning. I would have liked more of my favorite songs. I've been here longer than them, and I think things should be done my way before they're done their way. I don't like the sermon going long. The preacher this morning isn't as good as Luke. Amen to that. No one shook my hand. 
I didn't like the way an event was done or held. My seat wasn't clean enough. The temperature was too cold. My parking spot was too far away, and the list goes on and on. Um, in the first service, uh, Brother Donald Davis was here. He's been a church member here for many, many decades. He's 93 years old. A couple months, I was talking to Brother Donald. And he said, hey, Grant, you know how old I am? I said, how old are you, Brother Donald? He said, I'm so old, I remember when rainbows were in black and white. <laughs> he's 93, and he's still got jokes like that. Um, but he's 93. I said, uh, Brother Donald, what was church like when you were growing up, when you were a kid? He said, when he was a kid, he remembers walking to church. He had to walk just to go to church. He remembers that the church had electricity, and their home didn't. Because to get electricity to their house, they would have had to pay $50 per pole just to get power ran to their house. And he said he remembers receptacles being at the end of each row. I was like, that's interesting. He said, yeah, to spit in. That's what they had at the end of each row. And he said things were different back then. And I, I just got to think and wonder, what were their preferences like back then compared to ours, Right? Like, if it's a few degrees too warm or too cold, man, we get uncomfortable. We start saying something. But, like, back then, there was just no AC. They were lucky to have electricity back then. And speaking of Donald Davis, I do just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to our older adults, to our senior adults who have, have witnessed a lot, who have seen a lot, who have been following Jesus faithfully for years and years and years. And thank you for your example. Thank you for keeping it about Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. But you may say in church, you may say there's too much change. You may say there's not enough change. Church times have changed, but the mission of the church has not. Our preferences may have even changed, but the mission of the church has not changed. And I can tell you one thing, the mission of HC will not change. It's all about Jesus, all about Jesus, all about Jesus. And so what are some healthy preferences we may have? What are some preferences, Grant, that I can have? What about this? Which way can I serve? Just two weeks ago, we talked about belonging to the body of Christ and using your gift of serving. Which way can I serve? That's a good preference to have. In what way will I help promote unity this week? It's a good preference to have. Which growth group should I attend? This week you're going to get in your email a list of all the growth groups that are going to be starting on June 4th. We'd love for you to jump into one of those. Who am I going to choose to pray for and bless this week? In what way am I going to encourage someone this week? How can I use my gifts to build up the church? It's a good preference to have. Which pastor am I going to bring donuts to this week? That's a great one right there. <laughs> May not be a healthy one, but look... Yes, yes, yes. You can say, my church. You can say that. You can have your own healthy preferences, but realize you are a member of the church. And the body of Christ is made up of many parts. And look around the room, and there's many gifted people. You each bring something different the way God has gifted you. But we need to realize we come together. Not one over another or one better than the other, but we together collectively make up the body of Christ. And when we have unity, it is a beautiful thing. It's not about your preference. It's not about my preference. It's not about what you want. It's not about what I want. It's about him. It's all about him. So here's our question we're going to answer this morning. Grant, what can I do to make my church not about me? What can I do to make my church not about me? 
Number one, be of one mind and purpose. As a church member, you need to be of one mind and purpose with your church. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Last week we talked about don't let differences split us within the family of God. Don't let differences divide us. Don't let those things come between us. We're going to have one mind and one purpose. Are we of one mind and one purpose? Are we agreeing wholeheartedly together? Now, there's a lot of people in this room. There's a lot of people in the first service this morning, and you can just get an idea of how many different ideas, preferences, opinions each person would have. So I'm going to invite you to help me out with this illustration here. On the count of three, whenever I say one, two, three, I want everybody to say your name, okay? Just to get an idea of how many preferences, ideas, opinions are out there that everybody has, okay? Everybody ready? One, two, three. Somebody said your name. That's what they said. Yeah. All right. Now on the count of three, everybody say Jesus. One, two, three. When we agree wholeheartedly, we have one purpose, one mind. Church, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we can be unified together because of Christ, because of what he has done for us. Our purpose, church, as a member of HC, is to help people find and follow Jesus. It's what we want. We want to reach our community, reach the nations for Jesus. We want to be unified in that church. Keep the main thing the main thing. Church, you have a pastoral team and elders. Uh, You have a great leadership team. These are some great men of God who are pursuing Christ, but they're also different. They all have their own different gifts. They also have their own different preferences. And they are a great example, a great model to us of how we too can act, about how we too can function. Uh, Keaton leads us in worship and chooses songs, but it's not about choosing a song that we haven't done in a while. He's saying what songs are going to point people to Jesus? What songs are going to be scripturally relevant to this week's message? Josh works with local ministries and missionaries, but it's about connecting people to Jesus, helping spread the gospel. Todd works with our group leaders and equips others to lead, but it's about raising up leaders, equipping others to go out and do what God's called them to do, to help share Jesus with others. Luke helps our growth groups and plans out our message series. Why? Because it's about sharing Jesus with others. What do the people of God need to hear from the Word of God? Nick works with our students as well in other administrative roles to help raise up the next generation, to make sure we are helping this next generation be equipped to follow Jesus, to make sure we're being good stewards of what God has given us so we can help people find and follow Jesus. And they each use their own gifts and abilities To come together, they have different preferences, different opinions, but we come together with one purpose, one mission, and one mind. And that's to help people find and follow Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Different preferences, but one purpose. We need to be of one mind and purpose. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Be of one mind and purpose. Number two, what can I do to make my church not about me? 
humble yourself and elevate others. As a church member, you need to humble yourself and elevate others. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. This idea of Philippians 2, what it's talking about here about um, elevating others. Think of others as better than yourselves. Your translation may say to esteem others, to in lowliness of mind, to be moved to treat others better than yourself, to think highly of others. This one author puts it like this. He says, as we do this, as we esteem others, as we elevate our brothers and sisters in Christ, we will naturally have a concern for their needs, for their concerns. This sort of outward-looking mentality naturally leads to a unity. Naturally leads to a unity among the people of God. He writes, if I consider you above me and you consider me above you, then a marvelous thing happens. He says, we have a community where everyone is looked up to and no one is looked down on. When we humble ourselves and elevate others. Humility is a must. What we read this morning, that Jesus did it. We are called to it. Jesus did not think of equality with God, but instead gave up his privileges. He humbled himself in obedience. And church, we are to do the same. We're to do the same. Earlier in this message series, Pastor Luke talked about 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage. It's not just a passage that you share with somebody that you love on your wedding day, but it's a passage about church membership, how we're supposed to treat each other, how we're supposed to love one another. It's going to be up on the screen. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. Saying, this is how you show humility. This is how you elevate one another. This is how you're supposed to love each other. And I feel like sometimes we can read this and say, yeah, that's what love is, but we don't put a name on it. We don't put our name on it. There's going to be a slide up on the screen with some blanks in there to fill in your own name. I'm going to read it for Grant and see if this is true of you. Grant is patient and kind. Grant is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Grant does not demand his own way. Grant is not irritable. And Grant keeps no record of being wrong. Let's put somebody else's name. Brian. Brian is patient and kind. Brian is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Brian does not demand his own way. Brian is not irritable. Brian keeps no record of being wrong. Is that true of you? Miss Virginia, let's put your name in there. Virginia is patient and kind. Virginia is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Virginia does not demand her own way. Virginia is not irritable, and Virginia keeps no record of being wrong. Are we a product of love? Are we living this out? Are we truly humbling ourselves and elevating others around us? If you put your name in the blank, does that describe you? Are you that kind of church member? Don't be selfish. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Take an interest in others. I think sometimes we can kind of get stuck that church membership is more like being on a cruise ship. 
and not us really understanding what God's called us to? Are we concerned for our brothers and sisters in Christ, or is it just about us? Number three, be of one mind and purpose. Humble yourself and elevate others. And number three, be like Christ. What can I do to make my church not, not about me as a church member? Be like Christ in every way imaginable, in your attitude, in your thoughts, in your mind. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, You must, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And let me tell you this this is something that takes place when we give our lives to God, when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, when we've been saved. And you cannot do this on your own, but when you've placed your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, because church, each of us, we have a sin problem. And Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, and he gave up his life for us on the cross, that if we'd simply believe in him, turn from our sins, we can receive God's free gift. And and I want to invite you, if you have never done that, if you've never had a moment in your life where you gave your life to Jesus, we'd love to talk to you at the end of this morning's worship gathering. One of the pastors or somebody back in the Connect Corner would love to talk to you about how you can have a relationship with Jesus. But if you are going to pursue Christ, you have to have the same mind, same attitude, same thoughts that Christ Jesus had. And when he says attitude here, he's, he's referring to mindset, the kind of thoughts we have, what goes on in our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What did we just read earlier? 90% of Americans want things personalized to them. We want things done our way. We want to do things of this world. But it says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but what? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God has to do the work. And we have to change the way we think. To be like Christ, be like Christ, to be like Christ. You can't just say, okay, I hear you. From now on, I won't be bothered by the music anymore. From now on, I won't be bothered about where I have to park anymore. I get that. Sometimes our actions can be a way to suppress what's really in our heart. We can, we can hide stuff, but you really have to change your heart. You have to change your mind. You have to change your thoughts. Otherwise, you're just suppressing what's really deep down. We have to let Christ change and transform us into a new person, changing the way we think. I have to let God work. There's this analogy, and I love the idea and thought of it, that when Jesus comes into our lives, he wants to own and not rent. There's going to be a photo that comes up on the screen. So when you, when you rent something, when you rent an apartment or a home, there's only so much you can actually do to it. There's only so much you can change. You can hang some pictures on the wall. You can bring in your own furniture, but you can't really make any big renovations. You can't make any big changes to it. But when you own something, if you want a new bathroom, you can remodel the whole bathroom. You want to add on a new wing, you can do that. You want to add a new bedroom, you can do that. You want to redo the whole floor, rip it all out and gut it and do whatever you want to to it. You can totally change it when you own it. And for us, do we let Jesus rent or do we let Jesus own? 
We need to tear down the selfishness, tear down our ways, and let Jesus own. C.S. Lewis wrote, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. C.S. Lewis writes, you thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. Church, we need to let Christ tear down our walls, tear down our ways, tear down our selfishness. Let our thoughts, our minds, our attitudes be renewed by Christ and Christ alone. Stop conforming to ways of this world and be like Christ. Be like Christ and let God work. Let him work. He's pretty good at remodeling. His dad, after all, here on earth was a carpenter, so he has some experience with it. Psalms 119.36 says, Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Grant, how do I do this? How do I be like Christ? Being in the word of God. I heard someone say, if you want... God, to fix your thoughts, fix your thoughts on God. Fix your mind, fix your thoughts, fix your attitude on the word of God. As a church member, you need to be like Christ. In attitude, in mind, in thoughts. So what can I do to not make my church about me? Be of one mind and purpose. Humble yourself and elevate others. And be like Christ. And here's the question. Why? Why, Grant? Why, why should I go through this? Why should I give up what I want, what my desires are? Why does this matter? You see, Paul wrote to the early churches. He wrote to several of them. And you see several things that he had to write to these early Christians, to these new churches about how you should act. There's going to be people around you that don't know Jesus, that don't believe Jesus. They, they need to see a change in you. They need to see you live it out. Paul writes, it's not going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to read several of what was written. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. He said, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Colossians 3:14. above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Galatians 3, 28, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And Romans 15, 5, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Why? Why did he keep telling them this? Because as the bride of Christ, the one, the one who Christ gave his life up for, we're called to act a certain way. We're called to live a certain way. We're to equip the church. We're to be obedient to the word of God. 
Because it's a beautiful thing when we live in harmony. It's a beautiful thing when we live in unity that there's so much going on in the world, so much that's tearing people down, so many people out there wanting to do things their way, get their own. But when they stop and look at the church and say, what is different? And we say, it's Jesus. What causes you to live selflessly? It's Jesus. What causes you to stop doing things your way? It's all about Jesus, church. And that is what unites us. And we're to live it out. To be of one mind, to humble yourself and elevate others. Because what a beacon, what a light we can be to our community when we live it out. We just live it out. I want to close and wrap up our time now. Just a moment of prayer. I'm going to ask you from right where you are sitting to pray through some prompts that I'm going to share. It's the same points we just talked about. And when I say it, I want you to pray pray for that, for you individually and also for us together as a church. To pray these things, church, that we would be of one mind and purpose. That we would humble ourselves and elevate others. And that that we would be like Christ. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for how it speaks to us, God. God, I thank you for Holland Chapel. I thank you for the unity I see in my brothers and sisters in Christ, God. But, Father, we need to keep pursuing you. We need to keep pursuing unity. And I pray that you would help us. Help us, God, to be of one mind and purpose. Father, we pray and ask for us to be humble and elevate others. And God, we ask that you'd help us to be like Christ, be like Jesus. Tear down our walls. We want you to own. Father, I thank you for the church. It's a beautiful thing when there's unity thankful to look out here and see that and witness that but God we need to continue to pursue you help us to be like you help us to be humble to elevate others to be of one mind and one purpose that is all about you God help us to be a light in this community that points others to you Father ask this, we beg this of you, God, to move. Amen.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.